The following broadcast contains discussions of suicide, sexual assault, homophobia, eating disorders, and school shootings. Listener discretion is advised if you need help. The number for the suicide hotline is listed in the description. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to From the Margins. I'm your co-host, Violet Knight, here with Connor Rinfro. And today we are continuing our discussion about Heather's The Musical and Movie. This is a part two episode of that discussion. So if you've not seen part one, please go back and listen to it. It is available on YouTube, Spotify, and a litany of other platforms, including Anchor, Radio, Free Radio Public. We will not be going over the things we covered in part one again. So just giving that heads up, we're continuing full steam ahead. Thank you. Yeah, just diving on in. Diving on in act two. Connor, are you ready to talk about act two? I am. Are you? I think I am. I think I'm right there with you. Okay, so when the curtain opens back up, Act 2 begins with My Dead Gay Son, which is a one-liner from the movie, but an entire number of the musical in which Kurt and Ram's fathers do some kind of joint funeral and they sing about how much they love their sons who were actually horrible misogynist rapist people in real life but because of veronica's forged suicide note everybody thinks they were actually um gay and committing suicide because of their fear of homophobia exactly so this part never really sat right with me when i watched the movie um and i I don't actually think it was supposed to either because, you know, a fear of like homophobia sits like a little too close to home for me. But, you know, I have to remind myself these two people weren't actually gay. They weren't actually, you know, killing themselves because they were gay. And it's an irony because they were awful people. But the suicide note listed this as their like motivation for killing themselves. And ironically, it turns them into celebrities after death. Right. And it actually represents a very pivotal moment in the movie as well. I don't know if you remember, Connor, but during Kurt and Ram's funeral, we see Veronica and JD joke about something and they actually start laughing in the funeral and a girl whips her head around in the front row and the girl's crying. And this girl's like years younger than Veronica and JD. Right, she's meant to be one of the younger sisters of the deceased. Exactly, and it's the first time that Veronica actually is like, oh my god, I took not only somebody's life, I took, I didn't take the life of just a classmate, I took the life of somebody's older brother. Right. And that kind of really came home for her, where JD never had that come to Jesus moment and realized his, the human impact of what he was doing because he saw himself as doing a favor to the world where veronica is now realizing oh my god we've committed some sort of atrocity right because there's this weird you know dissonance where the community is actually coming together and becoming better because of these sacrifices like the two dads in this song decide they're going to join together and end homophobia in their community but their sons were not actually gay. They were just horrible people. And despite being horrible, Veronica even has a monologue in the musical about how 
you know, they were just 17. They were just, you know, undeveloped human beings who in high school. And we don't actually know what they could have turned into. Exactly. God knows I'm not the same person I was in high school in every respect. <laughs> I didn't mean to laugh so hard at that. No, it's a right. That is the correct time to laugh. <laughs> I mean, I also think of what I was when I was 17 and I'm like, oh, yeah, like somebody probably would have wanted to kill him, too. So people would have just not liked me very much. Yeah. And they'd be right to not. I was definitely a Heather in high school. I wasn't a Heather. I was just still not very pleasant and also really weird. I was like, I wasn't an incel, but I was still just kind of weird. I was never popular. Like, I never had, like, any kind of social capital that I used to rule my high school. But I actually was popular. Um, I had a lot of friends. I had a lot of respect. And I wasn't... I mean, I'm super woke now. I'm, like, educated. I have a master's degree. And uh, I respect myself more now than I did back then. But, you know, people can grow and change, and they deserve that opportunity to do so. Right. And that's the reckoning Veronica has leading into the following song, which I still listen to and cry sometimes, 17. I would be lying if I said I never listen to this song and cry because I've listened to it a few times since we watched the musical and the movie and it just really does something for me. It just really gets under my skin and makes me emotional. Right, because this is the song where Veronica's pleading with JD. It's like, let's stop killing people. Like, it's not fun. It's not cool. Um Let's just be kids. Let's be 17. We're not meant to have this much responsibility. Right. She says, we don't deserve to choose who lives or dies. You know, right. that's not our place. These people could have grown up and become better. Exactly. Let's do everything that normal teenage couples would do. Let's go camping, play some poker. We could eat some chili fries. They just want to do, they just want to be normal teenagers and wash their hands of having just killed three people. Directly after this song ends, Veronica and JD reconcile, and they decide they're going to keep dating, but they're not going to kill anymore. Then Martha shows up to confront Veronica about Ram. If we remember, Martha was enamored of Ram, and Veronica had written this letter pretending to be Ram, telling Martha that he still liked her. So Martha now is solving a murder. She thinks she's going to, like, confront JD. And in order to keep Martha safe, Veronica has to tell Martha, no, I'm the one who wrote that letter. We're all laughing at you. Haha, ha, you're a loser. Don't look into this any deeper. Exactly. It's also important to note that Heather Chandler's ghost is still haunting Veronica at this moment. And she says her iconic line, Fuck me gently with a chainsaw. Truly an underappreciated line, and I don't know why it has not been quoted to death in popular culture when it's so beautifully written. Ugh, I know, it's so great. But, it has the exact cadence it needs to be memorable. Yeah, I mean, it still seems like it would be right in place with, like, contemporary Gen Z lingo. Absolutely. Connor, let's popularize the term. I will definitely keep saying it. As will I. Um... 
Also, the fact that Chandler's ghost is still around, Heather Chandler's ghost is still around, is interesting. She can help narrate Veronica's inner struggle because it reveals that even though JD has promised not to kill anybody else, Veronica still doesn't trust him. It also lets the actress stay on the stage a little longer. It's true. And then we move into Shine a Light. So the guidance counselor, Pauline Fleming, she's trying to do some kind of like healing rally for the students. This is also in the movie, but to a smaller degree. Basically, um, she's gathered everybody after three suicides have swept the school. And she thinks that the way to avoid any more death is to just like have everybody express their secrets that they're hiding you know don't feel like you're alone and in pain or like secretly gay or anything just tell everybody about it but actually she has um the local news station recording everything so she can like gain her own social capital exactly they've popularized the idea of teen suicide so that they can also market themselves off of it this is where the satirical element of the movie and the musical for that matter really comes to a head because we see it's no longer about an earnest desire to heal move on and prevent teen suicide it's about monopolizing the idea and getting something out of it it shows this weird normalization of teen suicide um in the movie there's this band who have a song called teenage suicide don't do it and pauline fleming at some point in the musical she says whether or not to kill yourself is one of the most important questions a teenager has to ask themselves. She says that near the end of the movie, but she says it earlier in the musical. Right. And it's just like, it's become normalized almost to the point where it's like these guidance counselors, these school administrators are expecting their students to kill themselves. And they're like completely unequipped to handle it. So they just think they're going to profit off of it instead. Exactly. And what's really sad is that during this healing rally, Heather McNamara, who was the second in command of the Heather's squad, actually decides to step forward and express like her anxiety issues. The fact that her best friend and the last guy she slept with have both killed themselves. Right, because she specifically mentions having to deal with the fact that Ram is ostensibly gay in her eyes, and they had a relationship to some degree, and now he has killed himself, and her best friend Heather Chandler has killed herself. She expresses it in a very selfish way by saying, both of my rides to school are now <laughs> dead, and I have to take the bus. But even though it sort of is a very, like, self internal looking idea of the situation it still shows how it's affected her in a daily way that she cannot escape from like every time she gets on the bus she'll remember the fact that she didn't always ride the bus two people that she really cared about are now gone right and she sings this beautiful song titled lifeboat which honestly could be twice as long it's so good it's so good and it's basically a song about how she feels like she's on a lifeboat with everybody else in the school but it's too heavy and it's sinking and so they have to sacrifice somebody and she feels like she's the next one on the block and what's interesting is something in the musical happens that doesn't happen in the movie and that's at the conclusion of this song veronica confesses to killing Heather Chandler, Kurt, and Ram, and no one believes her. They all think she's just trying to become popular. Exactly. And then Heather Duke, 
the third and least popular Heather has actually the green Heather. The green Heather. She has filled the power vacuum left in Chandler's wake, and she's actually JD's next target. And when JD tells that to Veronica, she actually ends up dumping him for real. So then after that, we go into a reprise of Shine a Light, which is interesting because the lyrics go from shine, shine, shine a light to the students of the high school singing, Heather's gonna whine, whine, whine all night. You should just kill yourself. Something like that. (laughs) Right. I think that's exactly verbatim what they say. Well, actually, I think it's like, you don't deserve to live. You should just go and kill yourself. You're gonna die alone. Which are horrible things. And please, you know, understand the satire of the musical when you hear these inflammatory lyrics. Right. But during the song, Heather McNamara is feeling entirely tortured by the rest of the students because Heather Duke has started exercising her power as the new prime Heather over Heather McNamara and bullying her as a way to exercise the power that she's always, the helplessness she's always felt under Heather Chandler. So Heather McNamara goes to the bathroom and tries to open a bottle of pills and take them all at once in in an effort to kill herself. But her suicide attempt is interrupted by Veronica, who then relates to Heather McNamara, and they actually become friends because she tripped, like she noticed Heather McNamara was missing and chased after her to try to stop her when nobody else would. Stupid childproof caps. A tragically funny line, but I laugh every time. Right. Okay. Heather McNamara. If we did this analogous to Mean Girls, Heather McNamara is kind of like Karen. She's the dumb Heather. Yeah, that's that's fair. Veronica is able to save Heather using actual um, positive rhetoric like, you don't want to be a statistic. You have so much to live for. You know, your life is worth living. And just by being there for her in an authentic way, instead of like an attention-grabbing way, she's able to save Heather McNamara. Which then leads us to both of our least favorite songs. <sighs> You're right. Kindergarten Boyfriend, sung by Martha. And I don't dislike Martha as a character. I just like, I think it's so sad that she has the worst song in the entire show. Exactly. She's a worthwhile character, and in fact, if anything, she gets more relevance in the musical, but her song is just awful. It's not that great. It just reiterates something we've already established, and it doesn't really take it anywhere. It has plot relevance, but the song is just kind of surface level. Right, like, the only reason it's included is to give us exposition for the plot and the character it's martha singing about when she and ram like had a little kindergarten fling on the playground and how she never got over it and she still wants to be with him but he is dead now and her best friend well i don't even think she mentions like how her best friend veronica left her The song is entirely about Ram and how she has dreams about a flying horse. And it's just so cringy and childish. And it's not even like actually tragic. I don't know. Right. Because it kind of shows that Martha's never really moved on from being in fifth, like five or six years old. And it's sad, but not in the way that makes you cry. It's sad in the way it's like, it's really hard to relate. Okay. So in the movie, some characters giving a discussion about how it's so important for us to like 
look to the most marginalized, the most desperate, despairing teenagers and like look for signs of suicide. And while this voiceover is happening, it shows movie Martha with a literal suicide note clipped to her shirt walking into traffic with like groups of people behind her ignoring her. And like that's kind of powerful um, because it's like it shows just how shallow these attempts at saving teenagers are. In the musical, it's just her singing this sad song about this boy she never got over and then she jumps off a bridge with nobody around her. So I'm like, it missed the point. It did. It moved the plot forward, but it didn't give us a reason to really invest ourselves in the song itself. And even using the plot as an excuse is flimsy because the very next song, Yo Girl, tells us that Martha jumped off a bridge. So it's like, it doesn't even matter if we watched it happen because they're going to tell us it happened in the next song. Connor, you're right about that. I've never even thought about it. (laughs) But Kindergarten Boyfriend could probably be cut altogether and I wouldn't have noticed. Right. (laughs) <laughs> man that's not a good sign it's so that's useless a bad sign i think they just wanted to give the actress who plays martha her own solo yeah and that's that's an admirable goal and that's a good practice for like musicals because every character that's worth naming needs to have some song telling their motivations but it just it missed the mark somewhere along the way I mean, Heather McNamara gets like a two-minute song that's beautiful and brilliant and captures her emotional state. Martha's song almost makes fun of her, and it doesn't make me feel sorry for her. It makes me pity her because she's such a lost cause loser, but it doesn't make me pity her. Or, I mean, it doesn't make me feel sympathy for her. That's accurate. But yeah, the next song, Yo Girl, is like only a minute long. And it's only useful because the tune of the song gets reprised and sampled throughout the rest of the musical. Mm -hmm. And it's basically all just plot exposition. It's the ghosts of Heather Chandler, Kurt, and Ram narrating Veronica's thought process after she learns about Martha's suicide. And then she rushes home because I guess for some reason she knows that JD is sneaking in through her window. (laughs) I don't remember the setup quite as well as I should, considering how much we've watched the musical and movie in preparation for this. But I really can't remember what the relationship is between Yo Girl and knowing JD's about to show up. Uh, the ghosts are literally singing. Um, hold on. I will, I'll look up the lyrics. But they literally narrate what JD is doing while the song is happening, as if Veronica had this knowledge herself. Okay, so Veronica's mom is like, try me. I've experienced everything you're going through right now. Guess who's right down the block? Guess who's climbing the stairs? Guess who's That's picking right. your lock? Time's up. Go say your prayers. Veronica's running on, running on fumes now. Veronica's totally fried. Veronica's got to be tripping on shrooms now, thinking that she can hide. Veronica's done for, there's no doubt now. Notify next of kin. Veronica's trying to keep him out now. Too late. He got in. Okay, so introduce one of my favorite songs to the audience. To be honest, it's among my favorite too. Um, the next song in line is Meant to Be Yours, and it's one of the most strong songs along with Seventeen and Beautiful. It's the song that JD sings to himself whenever he shows up in Veronica's home and confesses his plans about what the rest of the movie entails. Mm -hmm. So basically in the lyrics, um, he 
gosh, what happens? So he's broken in through the window and he's telling Veronica that like, you broke up with me, but I know the only reason you did that is because of the school. So I'm going to blow up the school. They're what's keeping us apart and all of this stuff, blah, blah, blah. I was, And then at this point in the musical, Veronica locks herself in his room, in her room. And he is like, open the door and then he breaks in and he sees her hanging herself. And he's like devastated. He's like really sad. He was actually in love with her. And the only reason I point this out is because in the movie, um, Veronica has already faked hanging herself before he's broken in. And when JD enters, he's like, oh, I came here to kill you, but it looks like you already took care of it yourself. So like in the movie, JD is not in love with Veronica. He's just using her. And in the musical, JD is in love with Veronica. He's like manically obsessed with her. And he's like, the only reason he's, going forward with this plan is because he thinks it's what you know she would want or what will keep them together and when she's dead he's like well this is destiny our love was meant to destroy the arcane the archaic system and bring in a new one that's a very good distinction connor because the one in the musical the jd in the musical does give much more attention and care to veronica it's still the wrong type of care and love and affection but veronica's more than just a tool to him even though he doesn't know how to express it properly he there is still some genuine love there even if it is misguided right but the one in the movie doesn't even once the jd in the movie played by christian slater once he sees veronica dead he's kind of like well i mean inconvenient but whatever i mean the one in the movie hmm? It's not even inconvenient because he came there to kill her. That's true. Uh, in the movie, he's just a sociopath. But in the musical, he's like an obsessed lover with a god complex. And some very incel approaches to romance. Exactly. Like, I don't disagree he's an incel. I just don't think you should make him look like an incel because, like, Veronica has to be attracted to him. Agreed. All right, and this is, well, including this song, this is where, like, the soundtrack really just, like, takes off in a rocket ship because then we reprise Dead Girl Walking. This is the song where she, like, goes to the pep rally to stop JD, and um, she's trying to talk him down, whereas in the movie... Veronica is I don't know she's not trying to tra st talk him down she's like pulling a gun on him and saying step away from the bomb I don't know yeah in the movie she goes much more Rambo in the musical she goes much more like hostage negotiator right can we take a quick note to like talk about how in the movie the set is so weird right like, the school looks like a prison. I've never seen a high school that looked like a prison before. Um, mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I guess I have, maybe in, like, cartoons. This was the first movie I ever watched about a high school for rich kids where the school looked like a prison. It was lit like a prison. There was absolutely nothing spectacular about it. I've seen a bunch of movies with, like, sprawling campuses and like student lounges and all these amenities but like this school literally looks like a prison in the movie it does i know that we saw so many just nonsensical pieces of architecture featured within that high school when we watched the movie i know the one that struck both of us was the fact that that at one point in the second half of the movie there's an interior shot of the high school in a stairwell 
where what is supposed to be the second floor leads to a women's bathroom adjacent to the stairwell. But then there's a third floor bathroom that the staircase leads to a men's restroom, an exclusively men's restroom. Like the staircase ends at a boy's bathroom. Right, like it's almost German expressionist. You know, it's like a spiral staircase with like full developed floors, but the top floor is just a men's restroom. Right, and I'm no ADA expert. There's no, like, I'm not an American with Disabilities Act expert, but that cannot be compliant. That has to be violating something. <laughs> uh, and then it's like inside of the bathroom, the stalls are like comically sh- small. Um, JD just towers over every fixture inside of the bathroom. I guess it shows how confining the space is and how he's like, he thinks he's so much bigger than everything. That's very possible. And then the way they film Veronica walking down the halls, she too looks massive and everything is like so much smaller in comparison. It's true. Even while reconciling the fact that she is not above everybody else in her high school, the cinematography kind of implies that she is or that she has some much more inherent significance than anybody else of like anyone else in her class right so now that we've talked about the architecture of the school let's go back to the scene where they're located veronica and jd are having their show off in the boiler room underneath the gym which in the movie makes sense because the entire school is a spiral staircase <laughs> And you have a gym on the ground floor and a boiler room in the basement. The musical, I guess, it doesn't actually matter. But um, what's happening is there's a massive pep rally happening in the gym. And you see these, like, bombs under the bleachers. And JD is in the basement with, like, a detonator. And he says this is, like, what his dad uses to demolish skyscrapers. There's a detonator that charges the bombs on all of the other floors, which I think is interesting because it's like the revolution is triggered from the lowest level, but the seeds of the upper level's destruction is already present, you know? Right. Like, at least in the logic of the musical where JD was among the most marginalized and lowest class... You know, he is the radical element that's going to topple the entire place. Agreed. And then while they're having their showdown, the pep rally is happening upstairs. And it's like, go, go, Westerberg. Give a great big yell. Westerberg's going to knock you down and send you straight to hell. Which is probably the most metal cheer I've ever heard for a high school. It was pretty solid. I was very surprised to hear them actually say hell, like when trying to imply that it was a high school pep rally. So here's where the musical and the movie diverge again in a big way. Uh, We'll talk about the musical first. Veronica has shot JD. She takes the detonator from him. And I think the logic is that she has to keep her hand on the switch to keep it from blowing up. Like there's something where she has to keep holding it. So she takes it from him and then runs out into the football field. And she has this monologue about how she's going to sacrifice herself by releasing the detonator far away from the school so it can't trigger the rest of the TNT. But then JD appears again to say like, 
and this is the song I am damaged where he basically says um, um, I'm damaged you are not beyond repair so let me die instead and you can fix the school and then they have like this kind of sweet moment where he takes the detonator from her and tells her to stand back and then he you know blows up but she gets to live what are your thoughts on that i just think it shows exactly why the jd in the movie and the jd in the musical are two entirely different people because the jd in the movie frankly he didn't give a shit about veronica and when he found out veronica was even still alive he found it more of a funny coincidence than he did seem any sort of relieved but the JD in the musical, while he was still committing what can only be called a terrorist act, like, and a vicious act at that, he still did try to redeem himself by making sure Veronica didn't die when she didn't have to. But the JD in the movie, frankly, didn't care all that much. So In the movie, what happens is Veronica thinks she's killed JD, so she, like, goes onto the steps of the school and pulls out a cigarette. And then he appears again to be like, ha ha ha, you haven't seen the last of me. I still have this bomb on me. And then he blows up without killing anybody else. But like his explosion lights her cigarette, which is just the most iconic thing. It really is iconic. So, but yeah, all the same points. Movie JD is a sociopath and musical JD is just another sad, broken kid who was failed by the system. And, you know, he's not, he's not a good person but at all. We shouldn't romanticize him or try to validate him. But, like, he, he himself is a victim. And by the end of it, he realizes that. And he takes responsibility for his actions and blows up so Veronica can keep living. Hey, Violet. Yeah. Are you free tonight? Connor, I'm expensive every day. We could be 17. Take off our clothes and dance. You'd like that, wouldn't you? <laughs> um, that's the only line I could remember, and it's not even my favorite. <laughs> it's still very interesting, though. Right, so they do a reprise of um, Seventeen from the beginning of Act Two, but now it's Veronica with the two surviving Heathers and Martha and the rest of the school, and they've all decided that they're going to live in an egalitarian society now exactly the only thing i think is interesting is how in a direct reference to the movie veronica declares herself the new sheriff and i think that's weird because i read so much of this musical as like a commentary on hierarchical or even monarchical commentary the heathers were kind of like this fascist regime where it's like you have to be aesthetic, you have to be masculine, you have to fit into your role. And JD kind of represented this anarchist, like radicalist, I'm going to blow up the entire structure and just build something new. And I guess what the musical is positing is that Veronica represents that compromise where it's like, we need an egalitarian society, but I'm still going to be an authority figure. I'm still going to be a sheriff. But I also think that maybe a sheriff isn't the same as an executive. Like a right. sheriff is not a king or a queen. A sheriff is just like upholding the law. Right. The sheriff is ultimately a peacekeeper. While they are just one person, 
their job is not to lord over others so much as just maintain that peace. Mm-hmm. What are your final thoughts? My final thoughts, they're both lovely iterations of the same story. The musical's much stronger. But I still have a thought about the idea that at the end of both of the films, it feels like the power structure of the Heathers has been defeated and that some sort of revol- some sort of resolution has been achieved. But I couldn't help but think, Veronica's a senior. There'll be another group of Heathers. There'll be another JD. There'll be another Veronica. The problem with being in high school is these kind of power structures are cyclical. If you want real, true, authentic change, then you need to go a little bit larger. The fault that kind of creates these systems are, you know, economic in nature, they're the result of apathetic teachers and the home lives of students. And unless you really sort of change some of these aspects, you're just going to have the same problems come back up again. Yeah, I guess if anything, this musical kind of like gave a blueprint for how class struggle occurs <laughs> in society. But like, as you mentioned, high school is a finite period of time. And the ecosystem will just be, you know, repopulated with new people. I mean, it's a microcosm of, like, actual society where, you know, World War II, America went to war against fascism. But 80 years later, we are the new fascists. Oi, that's a hot take right there. Boom. Loves it. Boom. Because we tried to be sheriffs, right? But no, that's not the way either. Maybe JD had a point. We just have to blow it all up. I'm not going to endorse that. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. I guess the real lesson to take away from all this is you really just never know who your friends are. (laughs) (laughs) Aww. Let's also remember that this musical and this movie are a piece of satire and suicide is never the answer. Committing violence against others is never the answer. Absolutely. I love you. I love you all. Thank you for listening. Honestly, go watch the movie. Go watch the musical if you have an opportunity. Ugh, I could write an entire, like, book of essays about Heathers. As you should. All right, somebody give me enough money to, you know, make this book on my own time. I'd like to see it. But before we end, Connor, I do have one more question for you and me both. What's that? If you were one of the Heathers, red, yellow, or green, Chandler, McNamara, or Duke, respectively... Which one would you be? I'm obviously Heather Chandler. I think so too. She's red, which is my favorite color. She's in charge, and I'm really good at bossing you around, so. Think. (laughs) Hee hee. Which Heather are you? I think I'd probably be Heather McNamara, if we're being honest. I do go with the flow. I'm not really power-centric, and I'm much more sensitive than I let on when I first meet people. And then Zach will be our Heather Duke. That's true. Aww. My little punching bag that is just waiting for me to die so that he can take my power from me. Why are you such a mega bitch? Because I can be. (laughs) Well, on that note... On that note, I think we've concluded all we want to say for now. Uh, We might talk about this more later if we do a musicals in general episode. Maybe. But, as for now, I think I've said everything we want to say. Me too. All right. I hope you enjoyed. We love you all. And don't forget to like, subscribe check out our patreon check out our twitter we're always going to be putting out new episodes and we hope you enjoy bye bye